Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, I'm Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries. I want to welcome you to our radio program, The Chosen People. And I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Bobby Walter, who leads our Brooklyn branch and actually supervises our New York regional area. Best bagels in the universe, my friends. Yes, thank you. But, you know, with the supply chain stuff, you know, there's a shortage of cream cheese. And so you can get the bagel if you visit, but you might have to bring your own cream cheese. (laughs) What a day we've come to. So it's not exactly the way Leopold Cohn found it, who is our Hasidic Jewish messianic follower of Jesus, founder. And so Chosen People Ministries, Bobby and I, continue to follow the rabbi's vision, which we really think is the vision Jesus himself had, which was to reach a broken world with the message of his truth and his majesty and his grace and his salvation. And he calls us to make disciples, Talmudim, those who are learners, so we're the, we're the teacher, trainer, mentors, and those we lead to the Lord are disciples. And the disciples in the first century used to travel around with the rabbi as the rabbi preached and taught. And so the early disciples of Jesus traveled around with Jesus uh, because he functioned in many ways as an itinerant rabbi from the Galilee, transversing the nation of Israel, sharing all the great truths about himself and the kingdom of God. And Jesus calls us to do much the same, to make disciples, to lead people to the Lord and then teach them the word of God and to train them on how to serve the Lord. In order to serve the Lord, you have to have the Lord's priorities. The apostle Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, who himself was a Jewish believer, wrote these words in Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Bobby, before I turn it over to you to comment a little bit more on Romans 1.16, which I know is one of your favorite passages, I just want to make a couple of points. Number one, everything in this verse is in the present tense. Mm-hmm. I am not ashamed of the gospel. That's present tense. It's the power of God for salvation. That's not a was, that's an is. It's not a will be, it's an is. Then he says, to everyone who believes, always true. Remember, we talked about God calling Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees, and one of the promises was, I will make you a blessing to all the nations. But then you have a real curveball here, and that is, Paul adds, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the question is, it's to the Jew first. It's not was to the Jew first. Was it, Bobby? (laughs) You know, there's a long answer and a short answer to this. I'll just give you the short answer. Grammatically, in the Greek in Romans 1.16, that present tense verb is, right? For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That is the guiding verb that sets the tone, that lets us know the time and the priority and the aspect of the entire verse. So, as long as, just logically, as long as the gospel continues to be the power of God for salvation, which, you know, last I checked, 
yeah, it still is the power <laughs> of God for salvation. As long as it still is, well, then it still remains that it's to everyone who believes, and it's to the Jew first, and also or equally to the Greek. Now, you can't really talk about the gospel going to the Jew first unless you understand something about the Jewish people, right? Right. And so that was part of the promise, too, where God said to Abram, go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house, to the land which I will show you. Okay, we see that there's a land involved, but I will make you a great nation. And so we know that the creation of the Jewish people is something that God initiated. So in other words, when he wanted a bridge of redemption to a dark and sinful world, he didn't leave it to humanity. He actually chose the father, chose the mother, Sarah, and then opened the womb miraculously so that a child would be born. There would be no Jewish people if it wasn't for this miracle of God. Because he is the God of the universe, he can interrupt his own natural process and do whatever he wants. And so God created something in Sarah's womb that shouldn't have been there. God performed a miracle. And so Sarah was pregnant with Isaac, and God's purposes could now be accomplished. So you had the creation of a miraculous group of people that were created by God for a holy purpose. And it really drives us to a Hebrew word I really love. It's the Hebrew word bachar, mm-hmm. and it's the verb to create. For example, in Genesis 6-2, we read about the sons of God choosing wives. The same Hebrew term is used in 1 Samuel seventeen forty. David chose for himself five smooth stones. The word in itself is easy to understand. It speaks of a discriminating selection amidst available options or maybe even no options at times. So some of the people God chooses seem to have some type of innate worthiness. Others have no internal merit that would make God choose them. So the choice is really made solely by the will of God, not the worthiness of man. God chose judges and prophets and Gentile leaders like Cyrus. Uh, They were selected for service. But there are other ways to describe with a variety of really picturesque Hebrew words. Hebrew is a very, very descriptive language. And so there's another word that's used to describe the Jewish people, which, again, sort of takes into consideration the chosenness of the Jewish people. And that's the Hebrew word segula, which segal means purple. And so it refers to the purple dye that was used to make kingly robes in the Old Testament times. Do you know that word, Bobby? Yeah, yeah. Segula is a treasured possession. And honestly, when we look in the scriptures, this is a word, it's it's used eight times in the Tanakh or in the Old Testament. And six of those eight times that it's used, it refers to Israel. So in Exodus 19.5, in Deuteronomy 7, 14, 26, in Psalm 135, and in Malachi 3, it's all used referring to Israel as God's treasured possession. And in ancient times, this word, segulah, referred to the unique treasure that a conquering king chose to keep for himself from among all the spoils of war. So, if you think about this, if you think about Israel 
being God's treasured possession in these terms. Like, he is the conquering king, and of all that he has conquered, all that he now takes possession of, Israel becomes that special, set-apart, treasured possession, which is also an inheritance. Yes. The Hebrew word, nachalah, is used in Isaiah 19, 25, and Joel 3, 2, where Israel is described as my inheritance, the Lord's inheritance. But nachalah, the, the Hebrew root is nachal, which refers to property inheritance. And nachalah is sometimes translated as possess or possession because of the obvious, once we inherit it, we possess it. So we see the word often used in parallel with segulah. The Jewish people in the land of Israel are God's unique and cherished treasure and his inheritance and his possession. And so that's just another way that the language in the Old Testament describes God's relationship to the people and even to the land of Israel. Right, right. And I know that that some out there may be wondering because sometimes the idea is put forth or the question is put forth concerning Israel's ongoing chosenness even to this day. You know, since Yeshua, since Jesus has come, is Israel still chosen? Or has the church replaced Israel in any kind of way? And sometimes there could be confusion about this. And I think the principle that we find overall throughout the entire Bible is that our disobedience can never outrun God's grace. Right, right. It's a great picture. Right. So, in Romans 11, this is how Paul talks about Israel, okay? Romans 11, beginning in verse 25, says, For I do not want you, brothers, to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation, that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until, right? And that, that word until is very important for us, because it tells us that, yes, a partial hardening has happened to the nation, okay? So, the collective entity of Israel, but it, it has an end, It's temporary. A partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so, all Israel will be saved, just as it is written. The Deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So, God's plan, God's chosenness of Israel is still in effect. It's still ongoing. And we continue to read Romans eleven twenty eight. From the standpoint of the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But from the standpoint of God's choice, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. They cannot be revoked. So, Paul answers it for us very clearly here. Israel remains chosen by God. Despite the fact that the nation rejected the king, God has not cast off the nation. His promises, the chosenness, the treasured possession, the inheritance, it is still valid, it is still ongoing, and it has not and cannot be revoked. That Abrahamic covenant, it just flows all the way through Scripture, from Genesis 12 all the way through the book of Revelation. But the covenant is irrevocable because it's unconditional. It's not like the Mosaic Covenant where God said uh, through Moses, if you don't obey, you'll be judged, and if you do obey, you'll be blessed. In the Abrahamic Covenant, it is God who actually brings about the obedience of the Jewish people. Therefore, they are blessed. And so uh, God will never break the Abrahamic Covenant, 
And ultimately, when the Jewish people are ready and God's prepared the hearts, then the Jewish people will turn to Jesus and Jesus will return. And that's exactly what that passage in Romans 11 is talking about. And so God not only chose the Jewish people, he treasured the Jewish people, not because the Jewish people deserve to be treasured, uh, as none of us deserve to be treasured by God himself, but because God had put his hand upon the Jewish people, he decided to love the Jewish people, and he called the Jewish people for a special purpose. Let me read uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7, one of my favorite passages, and I think this passage really nails it. He says, The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you, because you were more in number than any of the peoples, for you were the fewest of peoples. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, that's the Abrahamic covenant, the Lord brought you out, that's from Egypt, by a mighty hand and redeemed you from slavery, from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh the king. And then there's an obligation given to the Jewish people, which is critical. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousandth generation, and those who love him also keep his commandments. And he repays those who hate him to their faces to destroy them. He will not delay with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. I'll bless those who bless you. Curse those who curse you. And through you, Israel, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And just to stop it here for a moment, two major ways the Jewish people ultimately bless the nations. Number one, through the writing and the preservation of the Bible. And number two, to bring Jesus, our Messiah, into the world. Jesus was born of a Jewish virgin in fulfillment of other prophecies. So from Isaac to Jesus, we have two incredible miraculous verses which speak very clearly of God's intention to choose a nation and from that nation to choose a person who would be the savior of the world. What does it mean to be chosen? Some say that the Jewish people are God's chosen people. What does this mean? Why would God choose one group of people over another? Isn't that favoritism? As it turns out, being chosen is a major theme in the scriptures. This idea begins in Genesis 12, where God speaks to Abraham, promising him land, numerous descendants, and blessing. Now, Abraham did not do anything to deserve this. Rather, it was the grace of God. Moreover, God chose Abraham for a purpose, to bless the entire world. As he said, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. The rest of scripture tells of how God blessed Israel, delivering them from slavery in Egypt, bringing them to the land he promised, providing for them, and protecting them. At the same time, the Bible zooms in on Abraham's descendants, drawing attention to specific people in his line. For instance, when David became king over Israel centuries later, God promised that one of his descendants will reign on his throne forever. Nearly 1,000 years later, Yeshua, or Jesus, a descendant of Abraham and David, was born. He lived in the land of Israel and taught the people of Israel. Yeshua even said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
after he died to atone for sin and rose to life again, Yeshua told his disciples to take this good news, the forgiveness of sins and promise of new life to all the nations of the world. At last, God's words to Abraham were coming true. His descendants, and one descendant in particular, were blessing the entire world. So, what about Jewish people after Yeshua came? Are they still the chosen people? Paul, a Jewish follower of Yeshua, addressed this very issue in his letter to the Romans. He wrote that God's choice of Israel is eternal. As God's chosen people, Israel received the scriptures, God's promises, and from them the Messiah Jesus came. Paul pictures those who are saved as an olive tree. The natural branches represent Jewish people, that is, they are the most prepared to receive the eternal life that the Messiah offers. Paul also refers to branches which are broken off, meaning that being part of Israel does not guarantee eternal life. Every person must put their trust in Yeshua to be saved. In this picture, Gentiles who believe in Jesus are like wild branches that are grafted into this tree. Now the church, that is, all people who believe in Jesus, whether Jewish or Gentile, has a role to play in helping Israel accept their Messiah. The phrase Paul uses is to make them jealous. That is, the only way to have a right, eternal relationship with the God of Israel is to believe in Jesus the Messiah. As Israel sees people from all the nations worshiping the God of Israel, they will be drawn to Yeshua as well. When Jesus returns, all Israel will recognize Him as the Messiah. Thus, God's blessing comes full circle. First, God blessed Abraham. Then, Abraham's descendants, Yeshua in particular, bless all the nations of the world. In turn, those who trust in Yeshua provoke Israel to jealousy by their intimate relationship with the God of Israel. As Abraham's descendants recognize Yeshua as their Messiah, the blessing of knowing God comes back to them. When Yeshua ushers in His kingdom, Israel will play a role of prominence and spiritual leadership over the nations, mediating that blessing to the world as God always intended. Jews and Gentiles will worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as one. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you'd like to learn more about this weekly program, then please let me encourage you to stop by our website and explore. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com radio. We've got a variety of resources available, and we even have a free gift available for you just for reaching out. We sure do, Bobby. J. Randall Price has edited an eye-opening and engaging compilation called What We Should Think About Israel. It's designed to help us separate fact from fiction when it comes to the conflicts and controversies in the Middle East. And we're going to send that to you free of charge when you reach out today. So just go to chosenpeople.com slash radio to request the book, and you can even read a chapter I wrote in that book about Jerusalem. And then if you would, please take a moment to let us know that you're listening and that you're praying for the ministry and for Jewish people around the world. The Bible tells us that the prayers of a righteous person are powerful, and we believe that your prayers empower us to reach Jewish people around the globe. And so we welcome your partnership. You can also let us know that you're partnering with us in prayer by writing to us at Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street, New York, New York, 10022. That's 241 East 51st Street, New York, New York, 10022. Or you can call us at 
293-7482. That's 888-2-YESHUA. And don't forget to ask for your free copy of J. Randall Price's book, What Should We Think About Israel? And now let's wrap up today's program with the Aaronic Benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. In 1892, Rabbi Leopold Cohen passed an open door to a church on the Lower East Side of Manhattan and heard someone preaching the gospel in Yiddish, the language of his Jewish-Hungarian homeland. After reading the New Testament he received from the young Jewish preacher, Rabbi Cohen gave his life to Jesus and became deeply burdened for the salvation of his fellow Jewish people. This was the birth of Chosen People Ministries. Rabbi Cohen began reaching out to the tens of thousands of poor Eastern European Jewish immigrants. Under his inspired leadership, the mission he founded provided food and clothing, taught English and sewing classes, offered medical care, and shared the good news of Jesus the Messiah. Rabbi Cohen understood the importance of not only sharing the gospel with words, but also by showing the love of Jesus to his chosen people. As a result, many Jewish people came to faith. Rabbi Cohen's son, Joseph Hoffman Cohen, succeeded him, and Chosen People Ministries continued to grow. Headquartered in the heart of New York City, which has the highest concentration of Jewish people in the world, Chosen People Ministries also ministers in over 20 cities throughout North America. Although our world has changed since the days of Leopold Cohen, our mission statement remains the same. Our mission is to pray for, evangelize, disciple, and serve Jewish people everywhere and help fellow believers do the same. This great historic work stands on the sure word of Scripture, especially Romans 1.16, where the Apostle Paul wrote, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We plant Messianic congregations, centers, and Jewish ministries on college campuses. We organize Messianic children's camps, conduct social media gospel campaigns, and bring dozens on short-term mission trips in the United States, Israel, and other places where Israelis travel. We also equip both Jewish and Gentile believers through our Messianic Jewish Studies program, Bible conferences, church presentations, Chosen People Ministries digital and publications departments, have also expanded to provide books, video productions, a podcast series, a radio show, and more valuable training and educational resources. 
Including the United States, our work has expanded to 19 countries and counting. Our work in Israel is extensive. Chosen People Ministries is one of the largest mission agencies operating in the Holy Land. It includes ministry to Holocaust survivors, running a children's camp for Israeli children, operating food and clothing distribution sites, and two messianic centers. We also send teams of young people annually to encourage Israelis and assist our staff in their outreaches. Here are some ways you can help Pray for Chosen People Ministries. We covet your prayers as we reach God's chosen people. And you can support the work of Chosen People Ministries by giving today. We cannot serve in the United States and the many other countries around the globe without your generosity. Thank you for your partnership, and we look forward to the next season of our ministry and working together with you to reach the Jewish people with the gospel. Thank you.